It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. It goes and it has the distance and it's there. Great kick under pressure from Quade Cooper. Richie Moonga. Up it goes. Yeah, well, they won. They just got there, didn't they? And uh, Richie Moonga was gold when it mattered. Uh, just after 5pm tonight, then, New Zealand will know who makes the cut for Ian Foster's squad of 33 All Blacks. The run home with Kirsten Beave will have that team naming live on SENZ. Uh, Saturday afternoon's 23-20 win over the Wallabies was the final test on home soil for a lot of players, uh, in particular those uh, who are bailing out at the end of the year. And that's before the team heads to England and then France for the Rugby World Cup. To start the show right, uh, joining us uh, now is rugby author and journalist Jamie Wall to look at what he saw over the weekend and what he expects tonight. Jamie, good morning to you. Morning, Smithy. Great to be talking with you, mate. Yeah, great to have you on, uh, Jamie, as always. Uh, how would you describe uh, that performance uh, uh, a day or two thinking about it? Yeah, I think at the time it was pretty disappointing to see the All Blacks come out and play as badly as they did in that first half. It really kind of wound the clock back about 12 months because one thing that really set up that bad run of form last year was the inability to start games well and it felt like they didn't really have the ball for about 15 minutes and by the time they did the, the Wallabies had already scored a couple of tries so that was a bit of a shock but in hindsight looking back on it now I think it was it might end up being maybe maybe the most important game of the All Black season if they go on and do really well at the World Cup because it showed that they had, were in a hole and could find a way to get out of it um, you know they made some adjustments at half time the, the change at half time was, was really really noticeable and also the way that they closed the game out to manufacture that penalty was was really impressive uh, the way that they just backed their scrum they, they, they targeted an area where the Wallabies had struggled all game um, and won that penalty and then Moanga managed to nervously kick it and then of course they had a minute and a half to kill of clock to kill afterwards and they managed to do that as well so I think that's some really really good positive signs um, if that was to be that sort of situation was to arise in a rugby world cup knockout match so I think in, in the hindsight there's more good than bad in there but there was enough bad to sort of be like okay well you know we need to probably do some things about the way that we're playing um, you know admittedly it was a B team uh, that they put out there, things are going to be different. Um, and But really, on the whole, I think that it showed just as a group that they've got that mental fortitude to to come back and and win games that they probably, probably shouldn't. Anyone played themselves out of the World Cup? Uh, I don't think so. I don't think anyone who wasn't, who probably wasn't going to be on the sheet. I mean, there was some... 
kind of up and down performance. I thought Sean Stevenson had a very interesting debut, you know, going 80 minutes and half of it was pretty rough, uh, you know, being on the receiving end of those two tries that the Wallabies scored down his wing and then and then coming back to score a really good try uh, in the second half uh, and then closing the game out where it looked as though he'd it appeared to me that he'd, he'd, he'd swap positions with Will Jordan, who had it was another guy who had a pretty scratchy game uh, as well, and it looked like that adjustment worked worked really well uh, between those two. Um, I don't think Stevenson's going to be going. I, I'm still baffled as to like why he was starting that game anyway. Not because I don't think he's a great player and he shouldn't have been there the whole time, but if Foster had picked Dallas McLeod in that position, surely that would have been his starting spot according to that selection logic. So I'm not sure what happened there. I think again, McLeod um, probably did the job that he was exactly supposed to do, which was just no nonsense, just hard running up the middle. I don't think he's uh, going to be going. The only real kind of question mark I have is around halfback. I'm still not 100% convinced with Finlay Christie. Um, have heard a bit of rumour that Brad Weaver was being sent off with the All Blacks 15 just simply to keep him playing because had he been in the All Blacks squad he probably just would have been holding tackle bags and, and running water which he's far too old and experienced to be doing. So I that might be a slight surprise in that in that regard but it's more about the guys who are now available coming out of injury and the injuries that have happened uh, is the interesting stuff. Like Joe Moody's coming back. I think he's, he goes straight in. Uh, and uh, then there's the Ethan Blackadder situation. Like, what do you do now? Because Frizzell uh, is playing, obviously playing very well. Um, Samafini Finau certainly didn't look out of place, especially in the second half when he scored what ended up being a very crucial try. So, you know, do you rush Blackadder back into the team? And then you've got that injury to Brody Retallick, so what do you do there? Again, it's not the end of the world because Scott Barrett is playing so well. You have a very good locking Joe with him and, and Whitelock there <clears throat> and some cover with, with Tupo Vai. Uh, it's just, again, and, and because because the blind side is now, I guess, sorted with, with Frizzell's form, it's not like it's, like I said, a world-ending world um, injury there. Again, Enor, if he's out, he can be replaced by David Havili, it's pretty much a like-for-like. And Havili does offer more of a um, a utility value anyway. Uh, And then the other one of of contention is the back three. So who do you take out of those those guys who all seem to be kind of form like is Narawa uh, fit? What do you do with Fyanuku? I'd take him because he, again, he offers that utility value. Uh, but really, when it really comes down to it, we're kind of quibbling over guys who are going to be playing against Uruguay and Namibia, aren't we? Uh, I think mm. the top fifteen is pretty, pretty much well sorted out. Did Laulala, um, Nepalalala, and Tamaiti Williams do anything uh, to perhaps, I oh, may put their selections in, in jeopardy? Yeah, I, I think Tamari Williams struggled a, a wee bit. Uh, he was penalised a bit. Uh, and it just kind of showed that his, his inexperience at this at this level. I think, though, he he he's just too much of a prospect for them to just be leaving out. Um, and, again, he'll benefit from being able to play these games, uh, these pool games, because, I, again, I don't think he's going to be featuring in the in the top 15, and, and maybe not even the top 23 when it comes down to the business end. Um, and Nepo, I think, well, you know, the scrum still was solid enough, but like, that was probably probably the only thing that was working all right um, in the first half for the All Blacks, and even that was put under pressure. So, like I said, Joe Moody's got to come back in, so, you know, someone's going to have to miss out. 
Right then, let's uh, look at um, the number 10 jersey. Um, I think Moonga has uh, demonstrated to us that uh, whether he's off the bench or whether he starts, he pretty much uh, is in control of his game in most situations at the moment, which was proven uh, when he did come on. Damien McKenzie, though, a chance to uh, run the cutter. And uh, to me um, and to those I was watching with, it uh, was pretty rough around the edges. It was. It was pretty rough for DMAC. I was really impressed with Richie Moana, though, and I've been really impressed with him so far this test season. There have been there has been a bit of a narrative around him that he's a very good super rugby player who just can't make that step up to test level. I don't think we're going to be having that conversation anymore. I think that penalty at the end really proved it because it was, you need a guy who can step up in, in a very precious situation and deliver, and that's exactly what he did. He didn't put a foot wrong when he came off the bench as well, uh, which is another perhaps narrative that's been going around that he's only really a starter and he doesn't really offer any uh, offer much off the bench. Well, I don't. That's clearly not true either. Uh, but I think that he is definitely the starting ten um, going forward into the into these big games. It was it's it was a bit of a race between him and McKenzie leading up to this test. You know, the, the Moana was probably winning. I think they've kind of reached the finish line on that one now. And what do you do with DMAC now? Does he play in the twenty three jersey? Um, does he get a run at fullback, perhaps, in, in one of these one of these opening games? Because the combination between Moana and Bowden Barrett is obviously working really well. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do with him. Do uh, we read much into those uh, results in the summer comp? They're calling it in uh, in the UK with uh, Scotland beating uh, France and uh, Wales beating England. Uh, do we read much into that? Uh, it's hard to tell, really. I mean, the, the, the France have definitely rolled their squad. There's a few guys in there whose names are pretty unfamiliar um, to me. But at the same time, I mean, you probably want to be winning those games in the same way that the All Blacks did. Like, you you want to be putting your team into a pressure situation. Like, that game against uh, the Scotland and France did come down to the last play. And, you know, if France had scored off the last play, then... They won, and it just says a bit about the group. They couldn't really manage to do it. I mean, also fair play to Scotland. Like, it's a great result for them. Because one thing that we're we're not really talking about is we're all presuming that the All Blacks are going to be playing Ireland or the Springboks in that quarterfinal. That's all all the talk's been about for the last like couple of years. Scotland are playing good rugby at the moment. They're they're not a bad team. They're going to go in as underdogs against those against Ireland and South Africa. Uh, but they're fully capable of, of pulling off uh, an upset or two. And that could really um, change the All Blacks' fortunes uh, in this tournament if they ended up playing Scotland instead of Ireland in a, in a, in a quarterfinal. Like, all of a sudden, it's looking a little bit a little bit different. Um, and that is a Scottish team that almost uh, tipped over the All Blacks uh, last November um, up in Edinburgh. So that's, that's worth keeping an eye on. As far as Wales and England go, again, like, that's two teams that are kind of struggling anyway, so I wasn't that... Uh, surprised with that kind of result but I think that it's definitely one of those ones where the All Blacks won and it's a great uh, it's a great result and we can take a lot of lessons out of it but for those guys up there they lose and they say oh well we can just write it off because it doesn't really count so and, and I kind of get the feeling that had the All Blacks lost on Saturday or drawn or or something we probably would be having that kind of conversation this morning about what what does it really matter we've, we've won the we won the rugby championship we've won the blue so cup there's a world cup to come so you know obviously it would have been nice for uh ian foster to win his last game at home but really what would have mattered 
Well, the interesting, one of the interesting things for me, uh, looking down the track a wee bit, and I'm talking about uh, November when uh, Scott Robertson takes over, there was uh, definite proof in the pudding there that the players that got us out of it when we were in it at the weekend, he won't have available to him, the bulk of them anyway, won't have av- available to him uh, when he takes over. Is that a sign of um, of worry or is it just a, a fact of uh, natural progression of the game in this country? Yeah, great question. I think I, I read some, something somewhere saying that there's going to be 12 All Blacks moving on at the end of at the end of the season. Uh, the whole thing that's fascinating about Robertson taking over is that he's been given a clean, it, it very much feels like a clean slate that he's been given. Like this will be his team moving on. And so therefore you think that uh, the guys who are leaving, a lot of them might not have been part of the plan anyway. Um, and then also just from a holistic point of view, like the whole nature of the All Blacks is going to change, you know, the way that they present themselves, the way they deal with media, the way that they, uh, their relationship with the, the governing body is, uh, at least from what I'm hearing, is, is going to change dramatically, you know, because it's the dawn of the, the Silver Lake era and the way that they do things on and off the field is is going to be different. So it's an exciting, it's an exciting time. Whether you know what like just how successful the All Blacks are going to be like going forward I know this is conversation but probably be saving for the start of next year but for me I'm actually kind of more interested about that that period going forward than I am about this World Cup I've seen enough out of the All Blacks to to know that they're going to be competitive at this World Cup whether they're going to win it I'm not I'm not still not entirely convinced but what's going to happen next like that's really really interesting so you, you question about you know how Scott Robinson's going to deal with things um, mm. without all these players. I think he thought that was going to be happening anyway. So, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be fascinating. So, um, I, I suppose uh, we, we should just uh, give Australia a minute or two. Uh, a lot of people will say that's a much-improved performance, but in effect, was it really? I mean, they, they gave away a seriously good winning opportunity. Yeah, they did. I would be disappointed. And I think Eddie Jones knows that as well. For all of his chat um, post-match, I think that he knows that they blow it uh, in the end. They just needed uh, about five minutes worth of just hanging onto the ball like they had at the start of the game. And also, I mean, I'm not putting this down to the wall of his messing up, but there's two tries that got held up over the line just through some sheer great defensive efforts from, from the All Blacks really kind of cost them a skew because if they've gone into the break 24 to 3 up or even 29 to 3 up like that's that's a massive mountain to climb for the All Blacks uh, against a, a team that's that a Wallabies team that's finally playing to its potential but I think I saw enough out of them to know that you know what Eddie Jones is is doing is, is at least kind of leading to something whether they can actually hold that together for four games in a row at the World Cup because, you know, their draw is is, is looking pretty handy. They they could they could go deep in the, in this tournament. Uh, it's just whether they can actually pull out a performance like that, sustain it for an entire eighty minutes. But I mean, you know, it's it's the Wallabies. They've got they're always going to be able to put fifteen good players on the field. It's just their consistency um, that matters. And I think that Eddie Jones knows that he kind of needs to maybe just shine the spotlight on the team rather than himself. 
um, once the tournament starts because he's not going to be able to talk his way out of um, too many more situations. Interesting. Um, so what, effectively in terms of tonight, what you're saying is um, maybe uh, if you're out at uh, Napier Airport over the last uh, day or so, you might have seen uh, various uh, All Blacks drifting in. Um, but the one contentious position for you um, is a Hawks Bay boy anyway. So he's uh, having played for Hawks Bay in the weekend. Brad Weber uh, is here anyway. Yeah, yeah. Someone uh, go hang out, hang around around outside of wherever he's staying, and um, and uh, keep an eye on whether he's uh, leaving, leaving, leaving his house at about four o'clock this afternoon. That that would be my uh, <laughs> yeah. that would be my tip. <laughs> the only one. Okay, Jamie. Hey, thanks very much for summing that up. And uh, I, I think you're right. I think very, very predictable on what we've uh, seen. And uh, I don't see any real smokies uh, drifting in at the last second like we've had in previous times. Uh, thanks for your time, mate. Um, enjoy, um, I guess, and enjoy dissecting the selections later today. Thank you. Well, dude, thanks for Cheers, mate.